0: Rockheads. This is Carl with an update on Music to Code By. On January 4th, 2016, I released the 11th Music to Code By track, Gold. That's right, there are now 11 25-minute tracks, including the original three. And you can download them all in one big zip file for less than 50 bucks at mtcb.pwap.com.
1: .NET Rocks, episode 1245, with guest Phil Hack. Recorded Friday, December 18th, 2015.
0: Hey, guess what? It's .NET Rocks. It's Carl Franklin here. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, you should be pretty much drying out by now if we time shift forward oh i i would i would hope so i would hope that
1: you know now that we're getting towards the end of january when this thing gets published i actually have a basement again that pieces are being rebuilt and and all kinds of good things my office will probably be the last thing done just because we're going to do a bunch of changes there but you know storage room laundry room guest room like those just need to be reassembled so wouldn't that be awesome remember
0: dry land remember that
1: Yeah, we've just been living upstairs. You you know, the house is big enough that you can take a floor out and everything functions anyway.
0: I got a flood story for you. You want a flood story? (sighs) Sure. So, my father's family is from the Susquehanna Valley region of Pennsylvania. And uh, when, you know, they grew up poor and they had this big house that they got cheap. It was like a three-story house because it was right on a creek where they call it a crick uh, of the Susquehanna River, which is prone to flood. And so this is why they got it cheap. There was the one story about a flood in the seventies where now you're talking about a level below a whole floor. You have to walk up to get to the book, bu- to get to the kitchen, the right. living level, right? So it was already up one floor and then they had another floor on top of that and then an attic. It was up to the second level. They wow. had to literally swim up the stairs. <laughs>
1: That's a lot of and that water is probably moving too right i mean it's oh, yeah. an overflowing river that's that's business
0: yeah and i remember hearing the stories when i was a kid and it just blows my mind <laughs> swim up well, the stairs well houses
1: were different too right these these are old houses they were built with rock and they didn't have a lot of internal plumbing and electrical and stuff like that so
0: yeah plaster walls Right. Different way of living. Yeah. All right. Hey, roll the music because I got something funny that is so cool. Even Phil will like it. (laughs) And I don't like anything. (laughs) Grumpy Phil is grumpy. (laughs) What do you got, buddy? So um, I was talking to my friends in next about Gists, GitHub Gists. Phil's nodding his head. Oh, yeah. These have been around for five or six years. And, uh, I haven't used them, but, um, apparently it's just a way to make public or private snippets of text, code, scripts, whatever. And they can be shared privately or publicly or just kept private to you. But the, one of the cool things about it is, uh, the other, all, all these other packages and, and products that have started using gists, like Boxstarter creating and saving and loading chocolatey scripts with, with, uh, as gists which is kind of cool and boxstarter is something we talked about before. Yeah, absolutely. Just all, sort of automating setup boxstarter.org and uh and how chocolatey has just come a long way too as well. And and I hear that is using NuGet.
1: Well, that's the yeah. na- that's the whole naming strategy, right? Chocolatey NuGet.
0: Yeah, yeah, it wasn't clear to me when we were talking about chocolatey earlier whether it had its own sort of package mechanism or it was using NuGet, but yeah, no, apparently it depends it is. on NuGet. Yeah. So that's it. Um, Pretty cool stuff and, you know, fairly new to me. So I just wanted to, uh, in case anybody was sort of, you know, like me and had their head under a rock for the last five or six years, there you go. So uh, who's talking to us, Richard?
1: Grabbed a comment off of show 1028, the one we did with one Phil Hack, where we talked about thinking about open source. And, you know, in hindsight, it's absolutely apparent, but we were aware that Microsoft was going to open source a bunch of stuff by the end of twenty fourteen, right. so built a bunch of shows, and this was one of them that was really about getting folks thinking in terms of what does it mean when you have open source libraries inside of your organization, mm-hmm. how you utilize them? what does that really you know impact on on everything? So this was just a part of that overarching plan, right? It just to to get people up to speed on that mm. and uh, Actually, the comment I wanted to grab here was from John Babrinsky, because it was really focusing on the GitHub side of the equation, because we were talking a lot about GitHub in that space and and sort of the practices around managing your source, and going off on branches and so on like this. And and John uh, talks about the discussion about branches towards the end of the show. I'm a little surprised that no one mentioned that you don't have to let your branches get out of date and fall behind. You can always merge master into your current working branch to make sure you're not diverging too far or long. It's a good when idea. When I have a longish run branch all I need to do is to merge back to master every so often and then my changes aren't a big deal
0: it's a good idea
1: so, well and it's just this point of okay you're building this cool feature off the side of your app and you might be out there for weeks meantime everybody else is still contributing to this project like you're not going to be able to merge back in if you wait the whole time so the fact that you could occasionally do this uh, pull the new copy of the master in on your stuff and get the latest bits all the time yeah, yeah I'm surprised we didn't talk about it either it's the right thing to do it sure is yeah in many cases. So, absolutely. So, John, thank you so much for your comment. A net rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a dot net rocks mug, write a comment on the website at dot net Rocks.com or via any of the social media. We publish every show to Facebook and Google. Plus, if you comment there, we read on the show. We'll send you a mug.
0: And of course, you can tweet us. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. We love tweets. We eat them for breakfast, for lunch, dinner, and sometimes a snack. And uh now let's uh, bring back to the show Phil Hack. Yes, it's pronounced Hack, but it's H-A-A-C-K. He works at GitHub as an engineering manager for a new team that is responsible for GitHub Desktop, GitHub Extension for Visual Studio, and Octokit.net. Prior to GitHub, he was a senior program manager at Microsoft, responsible for shipping ASP.NET MVC and NuGet. He regularly writes for his blog, hacked.com, with two A's, and tweets random observations on Twitter as at Hacked. He also speaks at conferences here and there and has quit writing technical books forever for several times now. <laughs> when was the last time you quit writing technical books?
2: Oh, it's been a while. I think the ASP.NET MVC 4 book. So I've uh, the last one seems to be sticking so far. All right.
1: Yeah, you're two versions of MVC down. So there you go.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't even recognize it anymore.
1: Now, we've talked about... GitHub Desktop on the show just recently. Yeah, What the heck is Octokit?
2: Oh, I, th- I think I've actually talked to you guys about this a while back, but octokit.net is our client library to the GitHub API. And uh, it's written in C Sharp. It's uh, a NuGet package. So NuGet install Octokit. And you can start calling our API and doing really rich integrations with uh, GitHub. A lot of cool stuff out there.
0: Rich integrations.
2: How so? Like, what what have you seen done with Octokit? Uh, I'll give you one example. The F Sharp community runs their release process through it, where they will uh, use GitHub releases, and they can pull a release down. And you know, I don't even know what they're exactly they're doing it with it. I just know that when we. Uh, published a break and change. They said that we were holding up the entire F-Sharp ecosystem. Oh. So yeah, we had to fix it quickly. But um, no you pressure. have access to all the data on GitHub. Issues, pull requests, releases, release processes. You can call our deployment API. So you could use it to build a... Automated deployments. Um, a really good example is Appveyor. I don't know if they're actually <laughs> using Octokit.net, but I'd like to believe they are. Okay. Um, but the t- building in uh, a continuous integration system would require that sort of Got it. thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool.
0: Good stuff. So and we and what what about
1: these gifs that Carl mentioned there?
0: Yeah,
2: I don't yeah, think we've yeah. ever talked about gists on yeah. Net Rocks before. Yeah, I mean, it's really just like. Hey, the the name says it all, right? You, you've got the gist of an idea, or or you just want to throw some text out. Like it's just a great, quick and dirty way to share some uh, a code or some text. And the nice thing is, there's syntax highlighting. There's markdown formatting. Um, it does it by the extension that you use to name it. So um, I think of it like just, a
0: distributed code snippets, kind of thing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and so by you know you can make them Completely public. So if you go to gist.github.com/slash hacked, you'll see gist that I've published. And sometimes, like uh, if I'm writing a blog post, I'll, um, you know, instead of putting a bunch of code in line, I'll just put them in a gist uh, to demonstrate some examples. And uh, we, we're using them a lot in, for example, our interview process. So, for example, we'll, you know, post a gist of some code. And or uh, will ask a candidate to respond in a gist. And the nice thing is, is that there's a nice web UI to it. You can just type it in there, whatever. But every gist is also a repo. Mm-hmm. And so you can actually click the clone button and and, de- and GitHub Desktop will like clone it down to your um, local machine. And then you can actually see the version history and you can actually uh, edit it. And use um, Git to to modify those files it as well. It
0: seems like a really good ancillary thing for for GitHub to do. Yeah,
2: like yeah, it it's it, it's a really lightweight repository, you know, like just without yeah. just the the files. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I've been using FeetHub for the Geekouts, which runs off of GitHub, although it's not a GitHub product. I think it's a third party thing. Um, mm-hmm. But it, and, I've, I've, and I've always been trying to feel around for are we having good conversations about what to do in the next geek out, what people really want to see and so forth and and maybe just is a better way to go on this the only thing ah, is that i checking. like the voting mechanism that people can sort of vote up which one should we do next as well as you know give their input
0: right it's not like a full-blown wiki because it does they're just simple clips
2: yeah like uh when i was working on my um you know, every conference you speak at, and they want you to write a bio, and I don't know what to say. So I yeah. actually posted it just publicly, and it's like, hey, help me, help me write my bio. <laughs> <laughs> you all know more about me than I do. <laughs> uh,
0: how many pull requests did you get from that little? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got a few comments. Uh, yeah. I mean, what I did is I posted a few options, and uh, people commented on it.
0: So we just did a show with Bill Wagner that sort of um, was for Git and GitHub newbies, right? We we took everybody from the concept of a distributed uh, source control system to all of the things that GitHub does and all of the parlance and the and uh, and and that. So by now we hope that even new developers who were not familiar with GitHub now have a, a kind of an idea. And we didn't talk all that much about. All the different tools that are out there and what they—I mean—we sort of hinted at it. You know, Bill says that he's real uh, a really avid GitHub for de, you know desktop, a GitHub desktop fan, and um, we also agreed that the extension for Visual Studio, at least in Visual Studio 2013, the experience was kind of meh yeah. for us. Well,
2: okay. So to be to be clear, the Git there's two extensions, and this causes tons of confusion. I, I totally right? know. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So the the Git extension, we're not responsible. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But we want to help Microsoft make that better. Um, The GitHub extension is only available in 2015. They had to add new um, API endpoints in order for us to even implement it.
0: So that's a really good point. The Git extensions, which is the one we were using,
2: um, not written by GitHub. Right, right. Yeah. That's built into Visual Studio, like since 2013.
0: Right. So, tell us about the GitHub extension for Visual Studio. I know we talked about it last time we talked to you, but just uh-huh. give us a sense of you know the difference in the experience.
2: Absolutely, sure. It's uh, so the right now the GitHub extension, as it stands today, has a very limited scope in what it's doing. What it's really doing is just helping you authenticate with your GitHub repos and and. So that you can actually push to them um, very easily. Uh, by default, if you push to a uh, remote repo, the default di- you know c- credential dialog will pop up and say, mm. hey, "Enter your credentials." But that thing doesn't understand um, two-factor authentication, right? And so we're really encouraging people and organizations to enable two-factor authentication um, to add that extra level of security to your code. Yep. So if you do that, then, you know, none of the existing authentication mechanisms work. So what we did is we built in this, uh, the extension so that you could go into the GitHub and uh, Team Explorer, uh, you, you know, go into the connections section and click GitHub and you can authenticate the same dialog that we use in uh, GitHub Desktop. Uh, and then you just authenticate. Uh, We'll handle the two-factor flow. And from then on, any syncing operations, push and pull within Visual Studio just work. And um, we also have a couple dialogues so you can publish your code right to GitHub. So create a new Git repo and then just go to the publish uh, screen and then hit. And we handle that whole process. You can select the org you want to publish it to and all that. So that's really nice. A quick way to get your code right up to GitHub. And we also have a, a clone button that will clone things down. Um, but what's really cool is um, once you've logged into the extension, if you go to GitHub.com, you go to any repo, uh, there's a, a, you know, kind of the open in desktop button becomes a button where you can actually choose to open it in Visual Studio. And when you click that button, we'll actually clone it down. And then um, we'll uh, uh, actually Visual Studio will be pre-populated with the um path to where you want to clone it down and you just hit a button in visual studio and then it'll clone it right down into visual studio so kind of a nice way of getting a repo right into your local workspace
0: hey rockheads as richard and i travel the world for the azure world tour we're telling people all about our dev-centric friends at stackify they've been awarded pc magazine editor's choice for application performance management stating and i quote the depth of application information provided by Stackify totally outshine the other products in this category, end quote. Because Stackify so successfully integrates errors, logs, and metrics into a core APM Plus tool, it's a must-have for .NET developers. Which is why PC Mag's Paul Farrell calls it one of the best infrastructure management services of 2015. Try Stackify now for free and they'll ship you their coveted developers against humanity card game just activate your account use the link bit.ly/netrocks to build better apps faster and get your free game
1: you know i did i did some searching for github extensions and there's a ton of them but we I mean, we were talking about the ones that ship with visual studio not just the stuff that's in the gallery and right. it's all kinds of third party libraries that are all calling themselves github extensions for visual studio it makes me crazy
2: yeah yeah so ours is uh in the box and i i'm you can't see me but i'm doing quotey fingers in the air uh, <laughs> because it's part of the ins- installation process but the installation yes. process in 2015 has added this really cool thing where you can uh they they can feature third-party components that get pulled in if you check them off so you have to customize your install and then we'll be pulled right in um, but if you neglected to do that you can always go to the gallery and you'll see uh the, the one named github extension for visual studio with our little Octacat logo is is the one by us and it's open yeah. source it's on github uh github.com slash github slash visual studio uh we accept contributions we just had someone who sent a pull request to add gist support you know relevant to our conversation yeah uh so that you could select code in visual studio and then hit some keyboard shortcut and Post gist. We haven't yet merged it in or deployed it, but it's there. Um, if anyone wants to try it out and you know help us review the code, then uh, that should be a new feature of the uh, GitHub extension coming soon. So I'm really excited to see a third party feature.
1: I also like that. I mean, generally speaking, the the studio team is doing a good job about making third party tools not feel like weirdo orphans in the project.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. yeah. That's been a really great experience working with them.
1: And it's no, they're no longer, you're no longer adding com components to visual studio, right? This, this is meth in action. you're actually doing a, a composed extensibility rather than, you know, integrating. Yeah, with the For the
2: most part, you know, visual <laughs> studio has about, uh, I love the way you said that. <laughs> I mean, Kinda. there's a ton of meh and, and every time we can stay in the meth world, it's just such a great experience. But once in a while, you know, you're hitting those DTE two interfaces and, uh, uh just because there's like multiple extensibility models in Visual Studio and not everything is yet exposed via MEP. but right. more right. every version it gets better and better.
1: And, I mean, yeah, we don't talk about this much, but there's been this initiative since the twenty ten edition to sort of decomify studio and especially on the extensibility model, and it's just they're just working on it every version a I'm little bit more and a little bit more. Decommify everything for Windows. Yeah. It's not i not easy to do, nope. calm is pretty low level in the Windows these days. Like yeah, it's never yeah. going away, really.
2: Yep. Yeah, calm is like the flood in your house, right? It's going to do a lot of damage, <laughs> and it takes a long time to dry it out.
0: I thought calm was love.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only for Don Box. <laughs> maybe, Me, I'm I discovering the ago. shit out of my basement.
2: <laughs> so I didn't even hear about your basement, man. Uh, yeah. You got a water world experience going on there.
1: The uh, the the storm drain line collapsed, and so the water backed up and put about an inch of water across the whole basement.
2: Oh, sorry to hear that, man.
1: So call it—it's just an enforced renovation, right? Like that's fine. <laughs> yeah, there's there's right. insurance money, and we'll get it all fixed up, and you know. And I live in enough of a space that we're all happily living sands one floor.
2: <laughs> it's a chance to do your Kevin Costner impression.
1: Yeah, not quite that much water, and I don't grow gills. <laughs> uh yeah, well, yeah no, sorry right. Sorry.
2: divert i just was like so that's curious that's okay about that.
1: we also talked to bill a fair bit about the github flow mechanism this idea of using forks and just the, the whole process of allowing contributors that don't have commit rights to contribute to your project but there are other ways to go about this right
2: yeah yeah um i mean you could it's interesting because there's a lot of different philosophies about this um I read this really great, uh, I think it was a blog post about uh, an um, open source maintainer who sort of feels like, you know, as soon as someone submits a pull request and you want to really engage them, give them commit rights and make it more of a, a sort of a optimistic approach as opposed yep. to a pessimistic approach. Right, I and, trust
0: you. Uh, Bill mentioned that yeah. specifically.
2: Yeah, like I trust you, you know, s- continue to submit pull requests, but now your pull requests are, uh, directly in my repo. You don't have to maintain the upstream and, you know, syncing with your thing. And I think about that a lot. I think that especially for personal projects, um, where like it's not rocket science or it's, let me, let me rephrase that. It's not, um, you know, medical equipment that's keeping someone alive, right? Um, right. Or a big project with a lot of
0: contributors, I think that's you know when you need a little more discretion.
2: Right, right. Like if it's your company's open source project, you know I don't think yeah. this would be a strategy for the .NET Core FX team or you know ASP .NET Five, but uh, for like you know my little projects, I I think it's it's a great strategy. I, I in fact I think the only reason I don't always do it is because I'm lazy and I forget. But um, <laughs> I really like that idea because also you can reverse any changes that happen and you'll know if they happen. It's mm-hmm. not like you're going to not notice, you know, a, a commit that was pushed directly to master that uh, adds a virus or something.
0: Well, you know, the thing Bill was saying that it sort of removes friction, right? That it yes. and And he's had more problems with people actually contributing to open source projects anyway. So this is just one more way to make it easy for people to contribute.
2: Yeah, I really like that idea of removing friction. I mean, that's, you know, one of the things that my team, you know, I mentioned I had a new team, but it's more like a rebranding of the existing team. But um, we're really focused more and more on the Windows community. So when you look at what Microsoft is doing uh, with open sourcing everything now just about on GitHub, Sure. We realize that that's actually had an amazing impact on the number of, you know, first time GitHub users who come from a Windows.net background who are primarily targeting Microsoft platforms who aren't um wizards with the Git command line or bash or this or that. And so, you know, we're trying really hard to think about ways that we can. Uh, help this audience out and reduce friction for them. And so that's kind of going to be the new focus of my team in the new year. Um, and I say the new year because I'm about to go on a three-week vacation, and I'm really, really, really excited about it. Oh, where are you going? <laughs> uh, staycation. Oh. I'm, gonna, I'm going to my couch, and that's I'm going to sit on it, and I'm going to let it form a wedge around me. I and, love that uh, idea. I'm going to sink into it. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> great. <Yeah>. Fallout 4? <laughs> Uh, probably Minecraft with my son. And then, yeah, when he's in bed, uh, either Fallout 4 or there's something else. I I know what you're
0: going to do. You're going to strip down your underwear and spread Chinese food out all over the floor.
1: (laughs) That's just getting weird now. I'm amazed you still aren't playing Kerbal Space Program with your boy.
2: Uh, You know, he hasn't. There's a lot of things he's just not into. Like these days, it's Clash of Clans, which I'm not interested in, and Minecraft, which I am. Right.
1: Yes. That's what's got him. Why would you need to give him more?
2: Right. Right. I mean, I, I tried to introduce him to new things. I tried to introduce him to Dragonlance the other day, like the, the books. And he's like, nah, but he started getting into Harry Potter. So that's good. There's <laughs> wrong with that. Good for yeah. little Harry Potter. Oh man. And then, uh, yesterday I, I volunteered at a school to do the hour of code. Like, oh, have yeah? you guys been following this whole thing? Sure
0: have. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, of course you have, but I've been following it. And, uh, but I, this is the first time I've actually, like, volunteered and actually seen it in action. And it was quite an experience. Yeah, yeah, so what, was fun, what was funny, though, uh, just a little side note, is uh, the um, – so, so they have these folders in these, the kids' laptops. And so they have two shortcuts, and the kids have to choose. Like, are you going to go to this site in Chrome, or are you going to go to the site in IE? And so, um, you know, some of the kids chose IE because it just happened to be listed first and some chose Chrome. And it turned out like the site didn't run in IE at the time. It just hung there. Oh, no. I was like, oh, that's (laughs) so bad because, you know, probably half these kids' parents work at Microsoft. But also, like, you you guys probably know this, but Hadi Partov, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He uh, is the founder of Code.org. And he used to be, if I remember correctly, the GPM of IE at Microsoft. (laughs) I was like, "Uh, you should probably fix that. Ah.
1: (laughs) so what did what did they do in this hour like what can you what can you get done
2: oh man so what they do is like uh it's funny because like uh, they had all the kids together at first and they're kind of giving some intros and they're like hey how many of you like minecraft and every single kid boy and girl just went shot up and we're like and then it just got really loud in there and then she's like okay well uh this next screen is gonna get you really excited so she scrolls up. And so they had Minecraft, Star Wars, Frozen uh, games like Flappy Bird, and then some other stuff. And so what they do is they have these coding exercises that use the are you familiar with Blockly? I think its developed by yeah. Google yeah, but it, it's the same kind of programming model as Scratch where right. um, you drag these little blocks of uh, instructions and you can do loops and you know branching and all that. And so in the left pane, you have this little square and you have this little um, task you have to do. And the first task is like blindingly easy, right? Like, oh, uh, get get your Minecraft character over two squares over to this block, right? And so you move, you know, you drag on, move left, move left, then you hit run and, and, you, and the character does it. But then like the puzzles get more and more interesting and you start building a game through it. Like uh, they have a little blocks that respond to input so you could be like when uh up arrow press move up one and so then you and you do all these little things in parallel which is really cool too is um you don't have to write the game loop right so you can have multiple when something is happens do these things and these are all little independent scripts and so the kids start to build games where you know like the task would be build a game where you have to avoid the stormtroopers and collect the uh, ah, I forgot the creature's name um, and each one and make sure that each time you do it, you get 100 points and you need to collect 900 points. And so then they do it and they move on to the next exercise.
1: Hmm. Well, I, I just wonder if it's going to capture some of them. Like The same thing that happened to all of us, obviously, it's like the moment you realize you can control a computer in any way. You just want to do it more and more and more.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting to see how much the kids were into it. And it was also funny because, like, the way they uh, approached it, they actually did had a whole little video about pair programming, and there's these two adorable little girls who were talking about how you do it properly in terms of one's the driver, one's the navigator, you take turns and all that. And I was (laughs) like, Oh my goodness. Like these kids are getting extreme.
1: (laughs) But, I mean, for, from a learning perspective, it's hugely powerful to have two to a machine. Not only does it generally conserve machines, but it'll, <laughs> it, it does the main thing you want when you're learning, which is avoid fighting against thrashing when they get stuck. You're much more willing to ask for help when you have somebody with you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I thought that was, uh, a, a brilliant approach not just for the resource allocation of laptops but also yeah because the kids were able to really teach each other although <laughs> there were a few i i did over here a few times where one kid was saying like you're doing it wrong <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that kid yeah yeah you or, were you all know, that they, kid at one point
2: grabbing the keyboard from the other one was like okay like you take to, you know how to go in there and uh just like real programming, how to go in there, mediate the, you know, argument between two people. You really they,
1: are a development manager now, are not you?
2: Yeah. I was like, here I come to save the day. I was like, this is what I really do with my day job. I uh, mediate it. between it. people arguing about code.
1: Yep. Bear it down to the essentials. Yeah. I love it. Hey, Richard yeah
0: buddy guess what time
1: it is must be that happy time again
2: yeah
0: it's time to convince phil to do a youtube cover version of push pull by purity ring
2: oh my goodness (laughs) what do you say
0: phil (laughs) i don't even know what
2: that means
0: (laughs) oh it's a real song push pull push pull yeah push pull but you could change it to push pull request or something I don't know.
2: Ah, it's actually time
0: me. to give away a Music to Code By a, a complete audio collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, Music to Code By is a set of 25-minute Pomodoro-sized, quiet and groovy instrumentals scientifically designed to promote focus. It'll get you in a state of flow and keep you there. Check out what .NET Rocks fans have discovered already, that they're being a lot more productive with Music to Code By. Check it out at mtcb.pwop.com all right buddy who's our winner all right all 10 tracks go to john jackson from columbus ohio ah congratulations john Yay.
1: golf clap for you sir
0: yeah that's a whole a lot, rattle of the coppers that's a whole lot of focus heading to nice. columbus ohio and uh if you don't know what we're doing right now go to dot click on the big get free stuff button answer a few questions and join the dot net rocks fan club we have thousands of members all over the world In every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors and every december we give away a five thousand dollar technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the net rocks fan club but you have to sign up to win all right phil your turn you've done this before five thousand dollars go shopping what are you buying
2: oh man you know <laughs> this would be kind of extravagant but i kind of want a, a second xbox one and uh a flat screen TV to put side-by-side side with the current one so that when my son and I play Minecraft together. Ah, that, uh, you don't have to go split
1: screen. Do,
2: yeah. Cause split screen is killing me, man. It makes everything <laughs> too small. I'm getting old. And uh, that is so at, decadent. Uh, yeah. Like at GitHub, at GitHub headquarters that we have a, uh, there's a room where they have two Xbox ones with two TVs side-by-side, uh, side, kind of the, the game room. And, right. and when I saw that, I thought, and I see people playing destiny there together. And I thought, oh, man, like, I, that's – I don't know if my uh, wife would be happy if I did that, but I think that would be such a sweet thing.
1: It's tempting. It's very tempting. Yeah. It would be interesting to watch how an Xbox – two Xbox Ones behave with the, the wireless controllers and stuff, too. Yeah. Like just making sure you get oh, all of yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have
2: a lot of trouble with the wireless controller as it is, and I can imagine that being – wrecking havoc. Uh, one
1: more things. layer, but – you know, screens. You know, that's you're gonna say. I want an Xbox One on the TV. It's like, dude, it's barely a thousand bucks. <laughs> like, uh, which yeah, brings the so. question: like, why don't we all have multiple Xbox in if we're if we're gaming, right? Allow allow <laughs> combined play.
2: <laughs> that's Microsoft's new ad campaign, right? Why not buy two? <laughs>
1: buy another one.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: More and, you know, I have a third
2: one for redundancy just in case. Just well, in case. Yeah. You, mean
1: you, you don't want to have an uh, an Xbox outage. That would be crazy talk.
2: Right. Or, I mean, hey, one downstairs, one upstairs. You don't have to walk all the way up the stairs. <sighs> Too far.
1: Too much effort. <laughs> oh, well, you still have a bunch more money to spend, my friend.
2: Oh, uh, than a 4K monitor.
1: Still more like money to spend, money. my friend.
2: Oh really? Okay. You know uh, what?
1: I've been looking. I've been looking really close at this uh, Sahil Malik, and I've been going back and forth about about what 4K to monitor. Get. He finally pulled the trigger on the f- the Philips 40 inch 4K because mm-hmm. it's 109 DPI, which means you can run it a normal 100% resolution mode on the 4K screen. So you can really use. It's like you know when you used to have multiple monitors. You just don't need it anymore when you have this 40. Because oh, you have just thirty-eight forty nice. by twenty-one sixty, man. That's a lot of screen space. But that's only yeah. a grand on sale, oh, only like... eight hundred bucks.
2: Okay, uh, I'll take one of those, and then <laughs> one of these, think, one uh, of
0: those, and one of these, one of
2: those, one of those. Uh, uh, you know, like the I'm getting a new laptop. I mean, I think the laptop I'm looking at these is not actually the Surface Book, but the Dell XPS fifteen. Yep, It has the, the, the quad core, I think you can get the quad core, 16 gig RAM, touch, and uh, it's just a beast of a machine. Like
1: Yeah, we, we call them Delasauruses latest. for a reason. You call them what? The Delasaurus. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, they're nowhere near the tanks they once were. Right, there was a time when the top of the line Dell with the 32 gigs of RAM and two drives and stuff like they they their power supplies were big enough you could kill a midsize animal with it. Uh, (laughs) The XPS 15 is still it's not quite Ultra Book trim, but it's pretty close.
2: It looks nice, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting it. I mean, I have the Dell MP. Oh wait, I got to look at the back of it. The Precision M3800 right now and. This thing is a is super fast, and I love it. And um, so I wanted and those something Those precision that lines are
1: quite a bit beefier. They're, they're yeah, yeah. I
2: wanted something that wouldn't be too much of a step down, but would be a little bit lighter. I mean, this thing's kind of kind of heavy.
1: Oh, it's a mm. tank. Yeah, it is definitely a tank, but
2: uh, I use it to work out. I do curls with it.
1: <laughs> I am very happy that the Ultrabook styling has permeated the market now and and laptops in general are just thinner and lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing I think it's really helped the laptop more than anything, the tablet. Mm. The tablet is filled in the bottom of the market in the, you know, $300 to $600 range, 800 if you're buying Apple, and it allows us to have $2,000 laptops again.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I th- I think it's, f- like, we're finally getting nice things for Windows uh, people, too. Because, like, you know, the MacBook, I just, it's always been a beautiful laptop. And also, yes. like, with the Thunderbolt, like, it just has so few cables. And, like, I'm looking at my, I have a MacBook at home as well. And I'm looking at it, and there's, like, this one cable that's in there that has powered, you know, video, audio, everything. And then, um you know, I'm looking at my laptop, and there's like this, like unholy, like you know, like
1: the t- web of wire.
2: Yes, exactly. It's like just a bunch of things. And so the new, the new Dell also supports Thunderbolt, which I was actually surprised because I thought that was Apple only. But maybe they're making it into standard. And it specifically says Thunderbolt, not just Display Port. So I thought hey, that was cool.
0: Hey Phil, what is mm? the most uncode like project or repo you've seen on GitHub? the
2: uncode
0: yeah like not not code but other <laughs> oh.
2: in the other category the, you know the sort of the strangest thing you've seen oh that man there's so much i mean like it's funny cuz technically this is code but uh there's one guy put his genome on GitHub.
0: What? That is true. Yeah, code.
2: he uh put his whole genome up there. Uh I don't think he accepts pull requests, but
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> He's a press here to do a CRISPR uh splice
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, we use CRISPR and you have wings. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> this I, is what I get for letting everybody have commit rights stuff keeps ki- popping out of his body. I wouldn't
2: give <laughs> commit
0: rights away on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what can we make Carl look like today? It's <laughs> funny. Oh man. Yeah, we have really haven't done a geek out on CRISPR yet, although I really want to sort of mentioned it, yeah
2: yeah that could be interesting
0: so the the genome anything else do people use it for um for i don't know music video
2: projects this is something that i thought about doing you know i don't know if people are using it for music video projects uh i mean like the video files like binary files don't work really well with git but um one of the new things we have now is git lfs or which stands for large file storage Hmm. so you could you know assuming that there the there's metadata files are in textual format you could have a git repo where all of it is you know has the appearance of being in git but you're actually using the large file storage for the actual media files Um, and so that could actually work and that's a a nice efficient way of using that Um, i just personally haven't heard about that um like we use in, you know, within GitHub, we use, uh, Git for all kinds of things like, uh, uh, all of our, uh, documentation. Uh, for example, like our company docs, right? We have this thing, you know, you want to change a policy, you submit a, submit a pull request. Um, so, and I hear, uh, there's other companies who are doing that in a mm-hmm. even more public way where their, uh, company docs are, are uh, what of my company policies are actually on public repos that, and anyone can look at them and submit pull requests. So yeah. I think that's kind of interesting. And that then, is cool. Uh, uh, people have published the the law, lo- uh, for example, all all the French laws and the, sort of the history of French law. Wow. Um, as a series of commits to GitHub. So it wasn't an official thing. It was more of a hey, you know, we just did this for uh, fun. But like, but it tracks like actual changes to uh, their laws. I thought that was blew me away, and I would love to see yeah you know, our law. Although I think the that could uh, really take up a lot of storage space.
1: Well, you know, just knowing when somebody you know, the the side effect of source control would know exactly when somebody's slipping some you know extra bit into a law or you know earmarking or any of those sorts of things. It's Just having a clear record of who did it, when they did it. Right. You know, that's right, what this right. would add. I mean,
2: like, that, that's the, the beauty of it, right? Like you can see the change sure. and, you know, ideally the discussion around the change and all of that. And, and you could see how uh, – you could use the blame view and see how things change over time. Um, it would be pretty amazing to have laws. I mean, if, you know – Wikipedia should um, employ Git. Well, I mean, Wikipedia has its own versioning or change history. So I, you do get that aspect of Wikipedia. Hmm. I don't think they're using Git under the hood, but like they have that. But yeah, for something like uh laws and you know, any kind right. of policy that changes over time where you want to know like, you know, how did this change? This is important to me, I think that's great. Yeah, it is great.
1: And- I've been looking at the League of Movable Type. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Which it, which uses GitHub. They're they're making new they're making new fonts, right? Wow. It opens fonts. Mm. But they're but they're doing it in a very public way, and then and they do it through GitHub. I just think it's fascinating to watch folks battle over those tiny little changes to fonts.
2: <laughs> hey, so, I bet, I bet that's fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so speaking of you know the conversations that flow around uh, a project that where where Git or GitHub is being used, the that seems like a you know, where tools like Slack come in really handy. But it, because they do have – Slack does have GitHub integration as well. Do you find that um, the majority of teams that are using GitHub use something like Slack or or Slack itself? Um, what's the – ha- you know, how does that work?
2: I don't have any real data on that, but I do see that as being a common thing. It's, uh, for open source projects, a lot are using Gitter nowadays. I hear I see that coming up um what's nice about Gitter is kind of directly uh there's this nice flow of going from a repo to creating a room for that repo um we're using slack and at github these days and mm. I love it it's got nice integration um you know going back to the other question the other thing I'm seeing a lot of people do is um y- talking about typography kind of reminding me of this but is using uh um, GitHub for uh, 3D modeling type of things. Wow. Uh, wow. Like if you Makerbots, bots, right? Like that kind of thing, because most of those files are some sort of uh, textual, like, you know, vector um, diagrams. And, and we actually have a really cool rendering engine. So if you, I forget the, uh, like I'm not well versed in the format, but the there's a 3D format for like uh, uh, designing 3D objects that you then can submit to a maker bot to print it out. And that 3D format is a text file. So if you put that in GitHub, we'll actually render it out in 3D and give you controls for zooming in and rotating it in every nice. direction. Yeah. It's really cool. So if you're collaborating on, um, and some people, I've seen a lot of repos where people will be like, Hey, here's my personal project. And people submit pull requests and like, Oh, you should, you know, round this out more using this elliptical curve. And then, uh, and it gets better. And so, and then you can just, uh, View the 3D rendering on GitHub and really visualize it before, you you know, you print it. It's really amazing. And we do 3D differences th- as part of that. So you can have a slider and you can see how it changed over time.
0: So Gitter is G-I-T-T-E-R? Yeah. Dot I-M? Yes. Yeah. That sounds- Where developers come to talk. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's, it's just amazing to me how these things happen organically, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, like Gitter did something that I thought was clever, which is their URL structure matches our uh, GitHub's URL structure. So if you go to gitter.im slash github slash Visual Studio, then that's uh, the chat room for our Visual Studio open source extension. And if you go to gitter.im slash octokit slash octokit.net, you'll see uh, the chat room for Octokit. And we're in there, you know, chatting with the public about the, the stuff we're working on, and uh, it's been fun.
0: Hmm. So. On Gitter's homepage, they have this map of the world, and these <laughs> people are using it are popping up in real time. And I wonder if that's just a uh, you know an animated GIF file, or if that's really if that is real time. Oh wow! Isn't that's... that really cool? Have you seen it?
2: Just I've never seen that before.
0: Gitter.im. I okay, am. I'm going to
2: refresh and see if the same thing pops ah, up. Oh, yeah. There's then... the test. <laughs> no, it's new. Yeah, that's that's. Looks like it could be real time, or it could be random. <laughs> ah. I bet that is. Ah, uh, wouldn't the, that be cool? Into that, yeah.
1: Even if it's easy enough to do with a little IP mapping. you sure. know, only have to get close. Yeah, yeah. I think the one that just popped up in the middle of Brazil is probably okay somewhere in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Because then,
2: hey, anyway, I'm much gonna type something in in yeah. this room, and do you watch very carefully. See if, <laughs> see if we can up. see
1: you come up right.
2: Yeah, like testing. Nope.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I suspect it the, trans, sample, the, the transaction bunch, rate's a little geez. bit higher than what we're seeing on the homepage. You know, it might be, oh, it, it, it might be a long way behind sampling one every thousand or every 10,000. Yeah,
0: I'm seeing duplicates now. So, well, yeah, well they might be having a, big they having a conversation, that's true. Yeah,
2: yeah it's funny. We, we got into a recent... Uh, Oh, man, the ultimate and bike shitting conversation the other day. And I kind of regret writing about it on my blog because it's funny how, like, you can write about something really important and nobody will comment. And then you write some throwaway thing about, like, a a code convention. And you'll get, you know, 70 comments with people vehemently arguing something that, like, even in my blog post, I said, you know, this is really not important. I just find this stuff fascinating.
1: <laughs> and this was, and was your, like, your, deba- you your string debate? String or
2: lowercase string, yeah.
1: Oh, no. You might as well have talked about tabs versus spaces.
2: I know. I know. You know, I even wrote a blog post a long time ago about religious wars in in software development. Uh And so I should have known better, but I was just kind of curious what other people thought. And oh, man, they're telling me. (laughs) And you've heard about it now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And their main thought is we hate you.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we hate you for bringing this up because now my development team is torn apart arguing about this instead of writing code. And I was like, I'm yeah. sorry,
0: we, Richard. And, and I, Richard know, and I'd be like, Space Side or Eilie? discuss. <laughs> <laughs> Let's
2: just sit right. back, <laughs> have <laughs> a drink, watch the silly. I have a pragmatic approach to conventions. I don't really get too passionate about it, and you know, like I have what I like. But then at at the end of the day, we chose a convention that I. That I don't prefer, but because it just was easier,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. And the main thing you want out of a convention is that everybody uses it. You don't have to love it, right? You know, exactly. It, it exactly. doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to. We just have to agree on something, right? Make a compromise and live with it.
2: Yeah. And my thing these days is I try to find some other, some other convention someone else put together that I like well enough, and right. say, you know what? Let's follow them so that they can spend all the time arguing every single point. And we just have to have one argument for and uh, ever which is which of these do we pick and then at that point we're done and then we'll just go with it even if we don't like it and yeah. that that's sort of like my approach to this um, but but it is interesting to you know get into dig into it and see like how people really think about these things
0: so it's- we should probably talk some more github before we hang up on you and oh, sure. what's what else is new and good that we haven't discussed uh
2: we published a new look for the repo and hopefully it would be interesting to hear people's feedback about if it's uh, a little bit easier to navigate repositories um some of the other stuff that uh you know i wrote a blog post about how to you know create a really nice shell environment for github um i tend to do a lot of things both in github desktop and on the shell and i like to switch between them and so um it's nice to set up a like use EMU or or mm-hmm. I use Console2 to set up a real kind of nice looking shell environment because I was always jealous of the the Mac users at my company had these really cool looking shell environments that made it look like they're in the movie Hackers and all that. Right. Um, but I added a you know a small thing, but like when you're in the shell that we provide, as in GitHub Desktop provides, and you know I sometimes will be switching different. Uh, paths, you know, right from the command line just because I'm already there. And then I'll be like, oh, I want to, you know, actually want to use desktop to create the commit. So you can type GitHub space dot and hit enter and it will, um, dot is just relative path to the repo. And then it will uh, uh, give GitHub desktop focus if it's already running. And if not, it'll launch it and select Mm. that repo. And then you can go quickly look at the history and and create commits from there. And the reason why you might want to create commits is that we actually added... um, we have emoji support. Uh, we have, um, we're about to add issue auto completion there too. I can't remember if we shipped that or not. Uh, and, um, we have, uh, uh, mentions support. So for example, in a commit message, or uh, if you want to, you can create a pull request directly from desktop too now. So you could create a pull request and in there I could do at, you know, like Richard Campbell and it would auto, com- you know, show me autocomplete options for uh, people mm. in my organization that I can mention. So th- uh, that kind of thing, it creates this really nice workflow where you realize that using desktop with the command line, you know, even for pro users becomes nice because things like creating a partial commit which I do a lot, mm-hmm. is really nice in a GUI as compared to doing it on the command line. So stuff like that is really cool. Yeah, great.
0: Yeah, and I noticed that um, when you say the Git the repo was redesigned, you took the right column away, which I like. I like having everything sort of top down.
2: Yeah, yeah, we kind of put it on the top, made it a little more exposed, and so... Um, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see uh, what people think of that. Um, it's funny because like, uh, for a while we were doing testing on it, and so like some small percentage of users would get it, and then uh, I would get it on some repos but not the other, and i get really confused. <laughs> mm.
0: Oh, good. So what's next for you, man? Where are you off to? Are you going to be in London?
2: No, I'm not doing London. Actually, my next conference is in Peru. I'm doing Dev Days in uh, Latin America. And that's in nice. April. So that's the next one I know of. Uh, and that's in April. And go check out Machu Picchu. Wow, cool.
1: Hey, well, I presume you're going to Lima for the conference.
2: Yes, Lima. Yeah, yeah. Lima's, <laughs> Lima for the conference. And, but you can see where uh, where my priorities lie. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, to go to Machu well, Picchu. Well, just
1: be aware. You're going to have to fly to Cusco first. And then you're going to be 11,000 feet. So then you're going to throw up a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, spend a yeah. couple of days. Get used to that because Machu Picchu is actually not as high as Cusco, so you'll be able to if you can acclimate to Cusco, Machu Picchu will be fine. But if you just go stomping around Machu Picchu, let you know less than 24 hours after leaving Lima, you will be vomiting most of the time.
2: Oh, that's good to that's good to know because I was thinking of uh, my bringing my family. So you've got to give go- them
1: time to to acclimate.
2: Okay, that's really it's good just, to know. So it's just uh, a long
1: way up. So.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know, just recently I uh, was a track host for uh, QCon San Francisco, which was uh, Mm -hmm. really exciting. QCon's kind of this series of conferences all over the world, and they didn't have a .NET track until the one I did. I mean, uh, from they were telling me that it was the first one, but then they remembered, oh, we tried one a long time ago and it didn't go well, so uh, you know, we've forgotten about that one. But this one, in our mind, is the first .NET track at QCon ever, and it went really well. We were um, in terms of like. percentage of green ratings like the uh, we were the highest rated uh, track in the conference wow,
1: wow you know current,
2: the largest so like you know you have to weigh that in but um, it went really well and I was really proud of the speakers that we had And it, you know kind of like one of my things is I really think that you know .NET is um, you know resurging and um, especially because of I think in part because of all the open source stuff. Yeah. And so that was like what we were trying to feature at this conference. So it's kind of exciting to be, you know, continuing to work in the .NET world.
0: Fantastic. We'll continue to do the awesome work that you do, Phil. It's great. And always good to talk to you.
2: Yeah. Great to talk to you too.
0: All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.